Medication is a big part of our experience as mental health warriors. We are given pills and substances to take that we may not agree with at times, but are for the betterment of keeping us stable and some semblance of ourselves. There are stages of our bodies finding homeostasis with these substances inside our systems that may feel like a personal hell, but I promise you, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Here stands the third episode of Imbue Podcast. In this episode, I discuss medication and my detailed experience with initially having it explained to me and my first experience taking it, down to my experience with it currently, where I've had some changes in my medication schedule and have become more stabilized on others. Hey guys, it's Krista again, and I'd like to talk to you about my experience with medication. Um, medication, as we know, is a uh, not-so-fun part of our whole situation, um, from stabilization to side effects to just having to take them and how they make you feel um, as a person. They are not our favorite part, and I wholeheartedly acknowledge that. Um, as somebody who, um, on my lithium, who has... Um, came to a level of stabilization, um, I can say that wholeheartedly. Um, still, I do not like to take my medication, and I don't want that to be a trigger for anybody, and I don't want that to be um, a, how do I say, permission to say, hey, I'm not going to do this, because flat out, I still do it, even if I don't want to. Um when I was first given medication, um, the first one that I was actually given was Abilify. I had a shot. Um, I was, um, I guess, not willing to take pills at that time, so I was given the shot of Abilify, which made me restless and gave me restless leg syndrome, terrible restless leg syndrome, um, and made me just not myself. It calmed me down and it brought me back down to earth. Um, I was in a delusion at that time, and it it really brought me back down to earth and helped me see what was actually going on in front of me and what was actually reality versus what I was um, deluded to think was reality. The next medication that I was given was lithium. Um, my doctor at the time said, you know, this is this. Um, it's what you what's used mostly for bipolar, for mood stabilization. Um, she explained the the if ands or buts to me or if ands or buts she explained the uh, details to me um at that time I didn't know to ask things like what are the side effects how is it going to make me feel because I was so intent on going home that I just thought if I take lithium my mom will let me come home so I said yes I said yes even before my mom was who is the one who had to say yes said yes um the lithium oh my goodness it made me so slow. It made me like a zombie. Um, I felt numb. I felt robotic. I felt heavy. Um, I remember my mom came to the hospital to see me and I was just talking to her and it was like, hi mom, how are you? Hi grand grand, how are you doing? It's my grandmother. Um, I couldn't function. I couldn't function to be a normal person or to to have a normal conversation. It was hard to walk too far. I was exhausted. I was absolutely exhausted. 
And at that time, I still hadn't feel, felt feelings yet. Like, I, I, I was still so numb, I, I couldn't feel feelings. So I was just, it felt like, it felt like I was a big piece of concrete. And just like my hands and my arms, my legs, my head were sticking out. And I, my feet were heavy, my limbs were heavy. I, I just felt all around like a robot. And it was so heavy. Um, some of the side effects that I experienced from it were tremors. I had shakes every single morning. I had to down a, a whole lot of water because lithium dehydrates you so badly. But I had to down a whole lot of water just so that the shakes in my hands would go away. Um, I would have tremors in certain fingers, um, and the Abilify was giving me restlessness. So my feet were constantly moving. I was constantly feeling like I, I needed lorazepam because... I was so restless and and couldn't uh, keep my legs still. It it was literally restless leg syndrome, so hard. And that for me was something that I had never experienced, and it was just an awful feeling. Um, I also had facial tics as well, where if I smiled too much or uh, had a certain expression on too long, then my face would start to start to tick or start to make a different kind of like a different. Um, expression that I was already making and feeling like a little bit like the Joker. Um, it was that bad. And this was the start of uh, having all the medications. It's, it felt like for me, I lost control of my body. That's what it felt like. I lost control of my body. I was heavy. I was restless. And hey, these new things happened too. I had tremors, I had shakes, and I had facial tics. And I was restless as all hell. I, let me just make this clear. I curse. Um, <laughs> I curse. You will hear me curse on the podcast. Um, I will try to keep it to a low because I just want to make sure that everybody can listen. I want to make sure that this reaches as many people as possible. But I will curse um, just because this situation and this, all of this is, it's heavy stuff. You know, it's not, it's not things that are for the, the light of, or the, it, for the light of heart. Or for the faint of heart. Um, we're mental health warriors for a reason. Because we go through all of it. Um, nonetheless. Um, I'll go back. I digress. Um, attempting to converse with others. Just talking to my mom. And my grandmother was hard. But I was so. And if you listen to my original podcast. You'll hear that I was moved from the hospital. To a place called Harbor Light. Which was essentially a halfway house. Or a shelter. Um, one of the most terrible places I've ever been, um, ever in my life. And I was having to, cause I was so, well, sometimes I was manic, but I was so adamant on getting a job that I applied and applied and applied and applied and applied and I had to start doing interviews. So when I was doing interviews, I was doing interviews with people that had no idea that I was interviewing from hospice. They had no idea, but I had to attempt to converse with them. So me feeling flat and empty and numb, I had to somehow turn that into something so that I could laugh at their jokes, so that I could be charming, so that I could be interesting, so that I could do what I needed to do in order to get these these jobs. And I'm not saying lie or anything of the sort, but I had to basically find my personality and then turn it back on and 
act like myself, like literally act like myself. Um, that was mostly from the lithium because it was still, I was still stabilizing in it and it, or for it and it was still, um, pretty heavy in my system. And for lithium, I, I kind of have some stages, about four stages of, of stabilization just to, I guess, help one understand exactly what it felt like. So the first stage was thick and heavy. This was more so when I was back in the hospital when I first met my mom or first saw my mom, um, my grandmother. It was thick and heavy. It's that concrete feeling, um, being, being like a concrete slab with your arms sticking out and your head sticking out. Then there was thinning. Um, thinning was you were still thick and heavy, but you were coming down a little bit more so you could function like a human being and you could turn on the you. You could, like, for me, I could act like me at this point. But acting like me at this point was quite obvious to somebody who knew me, hey, this is not Krista. Then there was the flat stage. The flat stage was much like the thick and the heavy, but instead of being thick and heavy, it was just numbness, flatness, nothingness. It was, I just woke up every single morning and felt just there, like just existing. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like anything. Um, and this was after getting a job. <laughs> I got a job during the thinning stage, um, but at, this was after getting a job, and I felt absolutely flat, and I had to do the job. I could sometimes, like, I, I, could, I could laugh, I could smile, these people could make jokes, I was in group training, um, but the thing about it is I needed that job. I needed these people that I was training with because they made me happy. They made me have, they gave me something to look forward to. They made me have to express myself. And I really needed that to get out of that flat stage. The next stage from there is called imperceptible or stabilization. And that came soon after where I just, I felt more like myself than I ever, ever did. And this was at the time, too, when I changed my antipsychotics. I went off of Abilify and went on to, um, I, I can never say the word, quiet, 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 <laughs> it's not happening, um, Seroquel, um, some of you will know it as Seroquel, um, and I made that change, and I was coming down, and I was still getting the shakes and the restlessness from the Abilify still having the the uncomfortability, the restless legs, um, and so I and so I had to have um, lorazepam, so Ativan. I had to have that with me too, so that I wasn't um, feeling these or experiencing these um, sensations. But I felt like myself more than I had I had in so long, and I this this stage of imperceptible stabilization, I feel like I'm at some point past that at this point, um, at a stage, uh, I guess at a deeper point in the stage where I feel like myself, I feel more like myself, except my Seroquel has a dopamine receptor blocker and it makes it hard for me to experience happiness the way other people experience happiness. 
Um, that's something that I noticed and I was experiencing apathy and that's something that I told my, my doctor. My doctor and I have a very strong relationship, my psychiatrist. Um, I tell her everything. If I'm feeling a certain way, I call her, um, I leave a message. I, she, she knows me very well. <laughs> she knows me very well. But nonetheless, um, those are the stages of, um, those are the stages of stabilization and kind of how I experienced them um, when I was going through that. Um, just how I said, my, my psychiatrist knows me very well. I work with her often. Um, I was not making a joke when I said that if I feel something, I call her. Um, if there's a side effect that I'm noticing or I've, you know, if, I, if I'm honest, or I've Googled and I found a side effect that I'm noticing that I'm having that is um, something that I don't like or something that scares me, I let her know. Like with Seroquel, there is um, tardive dyskinesia. I can never say that right, so don't laugh at me. Or laugh, you know, you can do your thing. That That's fine too. Um, but um, I let her know about that and um, I let her know about the apathy that I felt. And it's something that I also noticed about somebody that used to take it um, hardcore when I was in hospice. Um, and I remember them just being so apathetic. This was somebody that they had a, they had a service dog, a small service dog, um, that would be able to, to sense if they were going to have a stroke. And, um, this person used to harm this dog. Um, she would do it regularly and I would hear it. And I, it's something that I, I would want to speak up about, but because of the situation, I was unable to. Um, but I made sure that that dog got love when it was just her and I, but that apathy there, I think was kind of one of the reasons why she was doing that. Like I said before in in my earlier podcast there, you know, there are, we're good people. There are good people that, that just happen to have mental illness. And then there are people that aren't good that were bad people beforehand that have mental illness. And that was the case. Um, she harmed this, this animal um, and felt nothing about it. She was, again, apathetic. Nonetheless, that's, I think, a case more so of taking your medication and not really talking about how it makes you feel. But... My psychiatrist and I are very, very much in touch. We have meetings almost every two weeks. Um, Again, I discuss with her side effects that I feel um, and how I'm feeling very often. Um, And I make sure to, I make sure that we have a working relationship as opposed to just, hey, here, take this. That's okay. She knows that I speak up about it. And frankly, I think she appreciates it too. Because it keeps it keeps lines of, of communication over, open with us. Pardon me, I'm glitching a lot today. Um, so right now, I guess where my medication stands is I have options. Um, because I have told her exactly how I felt about Seroquel and taking it. Because Seroquel also has, gives you, so when I said tardive dyskinesia, that's involuntary movements. Um, it also has tremors as well, just like just like lithium does, so it, you know, can get worse. It's really hard for me to type. Uh, sometimes it's hard for me to write. Um, it's not a medication that I can see myself being on long-term. 
So right now I have options. She trusts me with my anxiety, anti-anxiety meds. So she lets me kind of, she has prescribed to me how I should take them. Um, and I do take them in that manner, but she said, she said to me, she trusts me with them. So if I feel like weaning off of them, I'm able to wean off of them, uh, when I feel like I'm feeling better or like I can handle it or like I can, I can function. Um, she also gave me an option to change from having an antipsychotic to having no antipsychotic and going on an extra mood stabilizer, which is an option that I thought of, but I, for me personally, prefer to be on an antipsychotic just because I want to keep my mind. Um, and then she gave me an option to try a new antipsychotic, one called clozapine. Um, clozapine has a 1% risk of certain things like heart troubles, white blood cell count fa uh, falling. Um, it, it has a 1% chance of these things and it requires a lot of testing. So I would be on it and I would have to be getting tested every single week. Um, and I have to understand and I have to decide whether that is the lifestyle that I want for myself and how that will make me feel. But this particular antipsychotic has less symptoms or less side effects. So less tremors and shaking. It also acts on a different dopamine receptor so I can experience joy and the apathy will go away. And I mean, I do experience joy, but it's just at a very dulled, it's not to the full extent of the feeling. It's dulled to a certain point. But that's kind of how it looks right now for my medication schedule. Um, I'm, I have these options and um, I'm just trying to decide which one I'd like to take. It sounds great to not be on a, to not be on an antipsychotic and to just have an extra mood stabilizer, but at the same time, going into mania or something like that and, you know, having or being deluded is something that I don't want to experience and I don't want my family to experience that either. So I have to make the conscious choice to make the right choice, not just for me, but for them as well. And for this new antipsychotic, like I said, it's a lot of testing. Um, there are 1% chances. Um... These are things I have to consider. Even if it's 1%, they, they test for it for a reason. So I have to consider whether that would be adding to my quality of life, whether it would be a good thing, whether it would be something I, I'd like to do. I have to understand that for myself. And I still haven't made my decision. I'm still look, looking to make my decision. So, I mean, if you'd like, you can let me know what your thoughts are on that. Um... I'm I'm definitely open to hearing um to hearing feedback at, like at any point. So feel free to let me know. But still up in the air on that and my next appointment is on the 9th. But all in all what I'd like to say is for anybody that is taking medication who's in the what I would call the thick and heavy stage, the thinning stage, the flat stage, who feels numb, who feels robotic or feels heavy or feel sensations within the body that just don't feel like themselves, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Okay? Right now, I feel more like myself than I ever have since being on medication. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful that I stuck it out because, you know what? My moods are stabilized. 
I am not in mania. I am not hypomanic. I am not experiencing delusions or psychosis. And I feel like myself. With a little, a little bit of a tweak. Um, but better this than the, the latter. So stick it out. Hydrate well. Like I said, your body needs to be in, well, I didn't say this, but your body needs to be in homeostasis. Homeostasis, homeostasis, okay? Tomato, tomato. Um, your body needs to be in that. So the only way that you can achieve that is by making sure that you're hydrated and that your body is full of water. And at the same time, I mean, your medication, you're taking your medication, but your body is full of water and good food and fruits and vegetables. And therefore, the good is balancing out the bad. You really want to have your body to be into into a state of or in a state of balance. So hydrate well, take care of your body, move your body, even if it's even if you're in that heavy stage right now, even going for a walk just around your house, from one place to another. Do it twice. Do it three times. Do it four times. Count your steps. You know, get a thousand steps in. Whatever the case is, just. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself. If you take care of yourself, excuse me, if you take care of yourself, then in this case, with all this medication that you have in your system, you're less likely to be overcome by it. It will work and it will act the way it needs to, but at the same time, your body will be working and acting the way it needs to on its own. So keep fighting the good fight. Like I said, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, okay? Keep fighting the good fight, and then keep living the good life. Thank you so much for listening. Imbue Podcast, peace out.